Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Very excited because we have a new Monday guest. He will join us every single Monday throughout the 2023 college football season. And a friend of the show, and ironically enough, you actually heard him on the podcast last Monday. But I'm very excited for the first time on TDC, our good friend, Chris Doring of SEC Network. He joins us on the airwaves. Chris, first things first, I was just telling you off air, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm extremely excited to talk SEC football and really college football with you all season long, my friend. Appreciate you taking the time. What's going on? Yeah, man, I appreciate you for asking me too, Chris. I, I think the thing to, that in my life I get asked to do a lot of these types of things, and and uh, it's hard for me to, to say no, but uh, really hard to say no to somebody that I like as much as I like you and, and as good a job as I think you do covering college football and the SEC specifically. Um, last time we were on, I think we pretty much were in lockstep with every point of view. Hopefully that's not the case as the season goes on. Hopefully we disagree about some things, but <laughs> I know it'll be a fun, entertaining segment. I look forward to being a part of your college football season this fall. Well, I appreciate you, Chris. And I like to say this, the beauty is in the banter. So I'd almost guarantee you, I think there'll be some things. Hey, if nothing else, Chris, I got a lot of comments when I announced that you were going to be our weekly guest. They said, wow, cool. South Carolina, Florida week is going to be pretty interesting. So, well, should- yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's been interesting the last couple of years anyway. So uh, maybe we can bring a little intrigue in the week leading up to it as well. Yeah, no doubt. But first thing, let's talk, Chris. Of course, week zero is officially in the books as we speak. One SEC team did take the field, and it was the Vanderbilt Commodores, which I guess everybody's SEC power rankings by default. They got to put Vandy number one, right? Because they're the only undefeated team in the conference. No, but. You well, look- hey, hey, what what was it at media days? There were eight people, I think, that said that Vandy was going to win the uh, SEC, which those people should have their credentials removed, at least uh, <laughs> uh, their voting rights taken away. But, you know, I, I love I love Clark Lee. I love um, kind of the attitude that he's brought to that program. And you know this, Chris, having played for a guy that played at the school that he's coaching at, I think there's something special about that. So the fact that Clark Lee can speak to what it means to be a Vanderbilt Commodore football player the challenges and the positives and, and the way that he's working with the athletic director, Candace Story Lee, to help upgrade that experience. Another uh, alum of the, uh, Vanderbilt University uh, feels like they got something going here, man. And, and there were things I liked about the game on, on uh, Saturday night. There's some things I didn't like, but I, I think escaping with a win over a much improved uh, Timmy Chang coached uh, Hawaii uh, rainbow team, I think is, is something they should be really proud of. Yeah, Chris, you touch on it. Again, back to Vandy. I'm I'm a little bit salty with the doors right now because I went three and one in my gambling picks. My one loss, I had the doors minus 17 and a half. They're looking good. We're up 21, and you just let Timmy Chang's team come back. And 
Vandy, I felt like, almost did everything they could to lose that football game. But like you mentioned, they squeak away with the W. I thought what really jumped out, Chris, was A.J. Swan looked good, 19-30, 258, three touchdowns, no picks. You know, he's a guy that we're never really going to look at probably in the top half of SEC quarterbacks just because of the team that he plays for. But you also factor in the team that he plays for and the numbers that he puts up. They are pretty impressive. I, I thought the running game, obviously a struggle for Vandy, 23 carries for 44 yards. That obviously factors in the sacks with A.J. Swan, three for minus 26. Running game, obviously something they got to figure out. Will Shepard, I think this dude is going to torch SEC defenses, six for 68 and two touchdowns for him. Also, Jaden McGowan looked really good. And Vandy defensively, that secondary, man, that, that secondary gave up 351 to uh, Shager, the Hawaii quarterback. All in all, though, you mentioned – you go 1-0, and if Vandy's going to hit that over-win total, that 3.5, they had to have that one on Saturday night. Uh, did you see anything promising that you feel like maybe Vandy can overachieve the 3.5? Again, it's it's hard to take away. Yet Hawaii yeah. Week 1, they've got Alabama A&M Week 2. So Vandy should be able to, early in this season, get some things figured out. But, again, just, you know, I know you just touched on it, just more so overall takeaways from well, win and Vandy. First and foremost, Here's my overall takeaway. The gambler's entitlement mentality that you have, that all gamblers have, like really the red zone defense is what saved Vandy early in the ball game. You know, they it, taking the ball away on the, after, you know, the, 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 the play was ruled that he was down before he crossed the line of scrimmage, the interception there, uh, another fourth down stop in the red zone. So it easily could have been tied up, probably should have been tied up or a lot closer early in the game. But uh, you're right. I mean, the 21 point lead there in the fourth quarter, um, you, you hope that, that Vandy can seal the game away. Far too many explosive plays in the passing game. Uh, de defense, you know, giving up far too many yards there. Uh, but I, I, you know this. I mean, you think you know what you're going to be until you go out and play an, uh, an opponent week one. And largely the most improvement that a team makes in a season is from week one to week two. Uh, the things that you can go out, look on tape and say, hey, we need to do this better. Here's what I like about what we did. And there's a lot to like. I thought the overall team speed of Vanderbilt looked greater than I can remember it in, in recent years. Uh, McGowan is an absolute burner. Uh, Smith, the running back on that first uh, touchdown, looked like uh, he had a little jet to him. So I think what you're seeing is a lot of improvement in, in skill and size. I think it just is a work in progress. And, and you, you set the measure at the over three and a half wins. It, it, if this team doesn't get bowl eligible, to me, bowl eligibility uh, should be the the bar that that this year's Vanderbilt Commodores uh, sets that the the expectation at. Um, I, I think they get the the fourth win that they need to go over, but it, to me, it's all about you know, can you add a couple wins in the SEC? Can you get to that six game total that you need to be to be bowl eligible? So, Chris, Vandy is 1-0. Before we get off of week zero, did anything else jump out to you? I mean, I know it's an appetizer for what's to come, but Notre Dame gets a big W. Southern Cal starts slow but finishes strong. I mean, outside of that, a lot of smaller games, but some good football. I mean, Ohio, yeah. Jacksonville State was a very entertaining game. Uh, FIU, Louisiana Tech, the way that one finished. But, you know, obviously it, it, it pales in comparison to what's upcoming starting on Thursday night, which we'll get into in a second. But did anything else, did you leave week zero taking anything else away, really? You know, week zero is kind of a different expectation level as a fan. Like, you you haven't seen football for, what, eight, nine months, and and you'll – you watch anything, you know, and so it, it was. They weren't headliner games. Obviously, getting a chance to watch USC—that's a team I think we're all curious about. Uh, the defense is still a big question mark in my head this year. If they're going to be, you know, a college football worthy, uh, college football playoff worthy team, can they improve on that side of the ball? That'll be something that'll be determined as the season goes on. But why would you not want? If you're Vanderbilt 
or you're one of these other mid-major programs, why would you not want to play on that the week zero weekend? It was a great stage for Vandy to be a part of. It was great for them to to kind of kick off the SEC season. I think, you know, you you ask around all the other 13 fan bases in this conference. I have to imagine most of them were tuned in just because they wanted to see what uh, you know Vandy was going to look like. Then otherwise, probably wouldn't pay attention to that game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, as we move Chris into week one, the action gets going on Thursday night. The Florida Gators are headed out to Salt Lake City to take on Utah. The first depth chart came out for Utah, Chris. Cam Rising, the starting quarterback, was listed as the starter. Florida beat these guys last year in a game that I feel like we were looking at really similar, and at least from the outsider perspective of, you know, Florida first game in Napier. They don't have a chance, and, and they whooped up on Utah your thoughts on this game, because that spread, taking it back to the gambling side, it sits at seven and a half, which I think is a lot closer than what folks are expecting. But your overall thoughts on that would can Florida make it back to back wins over Utah and just what you're expecting to see? Because obviously, if the Utes are going to have the type of season they want to have, they need this win. But I think it all comes back to is Cam Rising going yeah. to play? And not only is he going to play, but is he going to be healthy? Is he is he able to do the things that that helps? you know, them win football games that he's able to do. He's a gritty, tough performer, and I know he wants to be out there. But, you know, at what cost, I think, is going to be the question that we're all anxious to have answered. Um, it, it's what a difference a year makes. And last year, that that win over Utah, largely because of two things, the home field advantage and Anthony Richardson. I mean, Anthony Richardson was a single-handed uh, wrecking ball for the Gators in, in terms of what he was doing, scrambling and, and making plays, making guys miss. Um, it's a much different team this year. I think the defense for Florida is much improved. Um, I obviously don't have the, the playmaker at the quarterback position that you do in Anthony Richardson, but Graham Mertz is more of a game manager. So you're hoping the pieces around him are a little bit more talented than, than maybe what they were last year. I think they have a great group of running backs that they're going to lean on. I think they're going to play great defense and they're going to play smart football and, and try not to turn the football over. That's, that's the recipe for success when you go on the road. And I think the the big determining factor is how much is the home field advantage going to hurt the Florida Gators? The, not only the, the, the crowd noise, 55,000, a little smaller than what they're used to playing in front of in, in the sec, but the elevation, and you know, this, anybody that's been out there knows, you know, it's, it, it's a big difference. Having played for the Denver Broncos for several years, I knew when I flew from Florida to Denver to begin my off season training, it was going to take a, a week or so to acclimate. So I think that's going to be something that uh, maybe we're not talking about enough that we'll have to keep an eye on to see the impact of on, on Thursday night. Chris, for a team, <clears throat> excuse me, for a team that's been doubted all offseason long, 
how big would this win be for Florida? Because we saw it last year. Maybe it didn't translate the way maybe we thought it would. But, I mean, how big would it be for Billy Napier in year two to to, to do that again and get this season off on the right foot? Yeah, for those that, that didn't watch the Saturday night game between uh, Hawaii and, and Vandy, you missed Roman Harper when Darinoka asked him what kind of chance you give the Florida Gators out in Salt Lake City. He said 3%. Uh, I think it's a much bigger chance than that. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors that we've already discussed that that play into that. I think Florida's defense is going to be much improved, and I think fans across the country are going to be impressed. Uh, that's nothing against my guy Patrick Tony. He, you know, played the hand he was dealt last year, but they've upgraded the talent considerably. And Austin Armstrong, wait for those that haven't seen, wait till you see the energy on the sideline from this guy. He's a 29-year-old defensive coordinator for Florida. Came over uh, from from Alabama most recently, but was also the uh, Southern Miss defensive coordinator the last couple of years. Had been in Louisiana with Coach Napier back towards the beginning of his career. Spent time up in Georgia as well. So he's got the pedigree um, and he's got the energy and now he's got the players. So I, I think, um, you know, Florida, I, I give them a much better chance. You said it yourself. Some people were surprised by the point spread with Utah only being favored by a little over a touchdown. I think that speaks to, one, what um, the difference maybe is between Pac-12 football and the SEC, and, and given um, the, the type of athletes in this conference, a little more credit. Utah, to me, is, is built like an SEC team on the lines of scrimmage, very physical, much more physical team than, than the Pac-12 typically offers up. And I think that's why you've seen them um, not only win conference championships, but be able to handle a team like USC that's maybe not built the same way. But uh, I do expect it to be much closer than, than Roman and everybody else thinks. And if Florida can somehow go out there and, and sneak out a win, it does a lot for the confidence level um, of the team. Uh, and and I think, you know, it, it sets the sights squarely on that uh, third game of the season against Tennessee when the Vols roll into town. Something, you know, I think people probably aren't giving them a lot of chance with, but uh, you win the Utah game and maybe things change a bit. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Chris, especially if Graham Mertz plays well. It's funny how yeah. in college football one week can change the entire narrative. Graham Mertz goes out, he plays well, they win that ball game all of a sudden, like you mentioned, that Tennessee game. And that's a place, by the way, the Volunteers, we'll talk more about that when we get to week three, but that's a place yeah. Volunteers haven't won since 2003, which I did not realize hey, Chris, that a couple of weeks ago, and it blew my mind. What, what's up? Yeah, it's it, a it, long winning streak here for the Gators. Long shoot, A lot of wins for the Gators over the last two decades, uh, both places, but um, going back to what you said about Graham Mertz, I think what we see right now in our head is Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. What what Graham Mertz looks like in week one against Utah, how they utilize him, how he handles the pressure of being the quarterback at the University of Florida, I think will go a long ways in determining what we think the Florida 
uh, potential is this year and uh, could maybe change the way that, um, you know, the, the, the outsiders feel about uh, the Gator program in general. Cause I, I was, you know, I, I have great respect for Stuart Mandel, but I don't know if you saw the article this week in the athletic where you know, he picked Florida to go three and nine and, and for Billy Napier to get fired. There is no way Florida's going to fire Billy Napier. They, but Billy Napier, short of having some scandal or some ridiculous thing where like Dan Mullen experienced, Florida is not going to uh, fire uh, Billy Napier. It's a program that's in good hands right now. It's headed in the right direction. And I think they're actually going to uh, surprise more people than they will disappoint this year. Chris, looking at the rest of the week one slate, we go to Charlotte, North Carolina, Gamecocks and Tar Heels, a game that I think folks from both sides are labeling as maybe their most important game of the season. I think you and I have spoken on that, that I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment because it's game one of 12, right? It's a really long season, and we've seen Shane Beamer's teams especially improve as the year goes on. But it's a tone setter, undoubtedly. And I think when you factor in, these two teams are so similar in my mind, Chris. You look at... Both have, you know, big-time quarterbacks. Both have questions on the line of scrimmage, questions in the run game. Uh, both have new offensive coordinators, right? So there were a lot of similarities with these two. Your thoughts on the game in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, by the way, Chris, you factored this in. Tez Walker, the star receiver for North Carolina who just transferred in, it looks like he may be ineligible for the game, which go figure. I mean, I'm a Gamecock, but I think the NCAA just dropping the ball there. And then Juice Wells on the South Carolina side. Chris, folks will tell you he's playing, but there is some concern behind closed doors with a foot injury that he may miss the game. And if he does play, will not be 100%. So you factor all that in. It is a fascinating matchup. Maybe the most, one of the most fascinating matchups of the weekend. Your thoughts on Tar Heels and Gamecocks in Charlotte? Yeah, it's a fascinating matchup. I would say the headline game of the weekend. And, and maybe, you know, week one this year is not as glamorous as what it's been in the last couple of years, but. Um, this is a, a fascinating game for a couple of reasons. One, the familiarity between these two teams lately, the amount of times that they've played over the last five years, the proximity. Uh, I love the fact that they're playing in Charlotte. I think it makes it uh, even more special. Hopefully uh, there's a better attendance than there has been in that stadium in the last few times that they've played there. Um, but I, I'll go back to what you said initially. I think it's a huge football game for both of these teams. A lot of excitement around Drake May and, and what, uh, improvement the defense can make under my guy Gene Chizik in his second season. You remember the jump last time he was at uh, Chapel Hill and, and how much better the defense was in his second year there as the D.C., taking them all the way to the uh, ACC championship game. And then for South Carolina, like, they've exceeded expectations in each of the, the first two years of Shane Beamer's tenure in, uh, in, in, in Columbia. Like, if they're going to exceed again what they did last year, they have to win this game against North Carolina. Now, certainly it's not as big a deal. It's not a conference game. It's not a division game within the SEC. But in terms of, of making a statement, and more importantly, continuing the momentum from the end of last season, I think that's what South Carolina fans are hoping for, is that we see the same team that has the same sense of urgency and a quarterback that makes the same sort of decisions and, and makes the same sort of plays that he did in that last two regular season ball games. If they get that... I think the optimism is through the roof there for South Carolina this year. And I would agree with you, Chris, just to get all, you know, to finish on the subject, I would agree to get back to eight wins or God forbid more UNC, I think is one of those swing games that you absolutely have to have. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We go to Sunday night, Chris, LSU, Florida state. We now know no Mason Smith, which again, the NCAA, they pick and choose when they want to enforce things. And I feel like this is a bit silly Either way, he will not play. Does that matter, though, in this football game? Florida State's another one of those really interesting teams and, of course, a team you're very familiar with, being a Gator. 
I, yeah. you got some folks putting them in their college football playoff. I've seen some folks saying they're the most overrated team in college football. They're the most likely in the top 10 to finish unranked. How do you view that game? Because LSU, Florida State, two and a half point spread. Yeah. Does the Mason Smith absence matter? How do you see that one playing out? And just overall thoughts on that ballgame. Yeah, I hate that Mason Smith's not going to be able to play. And I'm, I'm with you on the NCAA. They're like a bully, right, that uh, picks and chooses who they want to fight and where they think they can win those fights. Um, but, you know, Mason Smith is a guy that is a, an All-American type player that, um, you know, we didn't get a chance to see all last year after that early injury in the first quarter against Florida State. Uh, would have been a poetic return for him to come in and have a, a great ball game. Uh, but if they, if the uh, the LSU defense could sustain an injury, it's on the defensive line. They're they're really talented there up front. Uh, Mike Wingo had a, a great season last year. He's back. They got a couple transfers uh, that should help there as well. Um, so I, I'm I'm not as worried about it as if it were a, a secondary player for LSU. But certainly losing a player of his caliber is not good. Um, and, and and go back to your statement about Florida State. Florida State is an interesting study, right? It, it, we didn't think much of them heading into the year last year. Jordan Travis kind of gained some respect as the year went on. A lot of people thinking he could be a Heisman favorite this year. Um, but if you look at who they beat last year, I don't believe in that run down the stretch. There was any team that was above 500. So maybe fool's gold as it relates to what they did last season. Uh, but I, I, I have great respect for Mike Norvell. Uh, this was a guy that a lot of people were trying to run out of town. Fortunately for them, the FSU administration had patience, just like uh, a lot of other teams need to have with their head coaches when they're trying to turn programs around. Uh, seems to be pushing the right buttons. And and uh, I talked to uh, some some former Florida coaches that, that said, Mike Norvell may be the best play caller we played last year. And so that's high praise, especially when you're pairing him with a guy like Jordan Travis. So it's going to be a tough test for LSU. Um, I do expect uh, the Tigers to win the improvement they made from week one to the end of the season last year was uh, amongst the most dramatic that I've ever seen in covering college football. And uh, I have a lot of respect for, for uh, Brian Kelly, uh, what he's done to come in, acclimate to this conference, answer all the questions that people had about his ability to, to be successful in the SEC and at LSU um, really has been impressive to me. And I, I, I said on your show last week, LSU, to me, is going to win the West, and I think they start the season 1-0, winning an out-of-conference game against an ACC opponent. Chris, importance of the game. LSU folks I've talked to have said that is a must-win, most important. They have to win that ballgame. They really don't, though, to achieve their goals and win the West. But, I mean, how would you categorize it? How big – who's in a bigger game for, I'll ask you, LSU or Florida State? Because I think you could make a case for both. Yeah, I think you can make a case for both as well. I think it is LSU uh, just because I, I think there's a lot of LSU people that think they could be a legitimate college football playoff uh, contender this year. And, and if you get in, you got a chance to, to win it all. Um, so winning that game is going to be important for a couple reasons. One, I still think, you know, it's winning your first game against a great opponent is a, is a, a really solid litmus test for where you are and how you go about uh, building confidence from there. But secondly, if you do have the great season that you expect, or I expect them to have, you're still going to meet Georgia in the uh, SEC championship game. So you're probably going to need to go unblemished. I don't know if they're ready to beat Georgia yet at this point. If you can go unblemished throughout the rest of the season, you have a little more margin for error when you get into the SEC title game. And maybe most importantly, a lot of people forget this. The last time we saw LSU playing in a regular season ball game, they got whipped soundly by Texas A&M. You know, this is a Texas A&M team that we didn't have much regard for. They were physically beaten in that ball game in College Station last year. So I think they 
as much as we like LSU collectively, I think there's a lot that they still need to prove. Now, Chris, the rest of the week one schedule, it feels somewhat like Cupcake Saturday, honestly, but which is normal for a week one. But you go down this list, Missouri, South Dakota, Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Ball State, Ole Miss and Mercer, <clears throat> excuse me, Auburn and UMass, <clears throat> Arkansas, Western Carolina, Mississippi State, Southeast Louisiana, Georgia, UT Martin, Texas A&M, New Mexico, Alabama, Middle Tennessee State. Any of those jump out to you? And just what's the most intriguing storyline or most intriguing game, I should say, to you out of the best of the rest, if you will? I think it's the Alabama-Middle Tennessee game. Um, we still don't know what uh, Nick Saban's going to do with the quarterbacks. I would venture to guess that both of those guys are going to play in that ball game. Uh, what a luxury it is for them to not have Texas in week one, but to have a game to give them a chance to acclimate and figure out maybe who's the best quarterback when the bullets are flying. That's what I'm interested in. Ole Miss's game is another one kind of for the same reason. The quarterback focus is, is something we haven't um, really gotten much light shed on yet. Uh, I expect Jackson Dart to be the starter, but Spencer Sanders is so talented. I, I figure you got to find a way to try to get him in the ballgame some way. Uh, so I think that's another one that I'm kind of keeping my eye on of that, that next to the best games that uh, you kind of described there. Now, Chris, the rest of week one, is there anything outside of the SEC slate that jumps out to you? Obviously, Colorado and TCU with Deion Sanders debut. Uh, you've actually got Georgia Tech and Louisville on Friday night, a conference game in the ACC. Um, anything else, though, in that slate? I mean, it's it's we, we kind of hit on the headliners, right, in the SEC. Is there anything, any other game or the game that you're most intrigued? West Virginia, Penn State, I think could be really interesting, 7.30 on Saturday night. But anything else jump out to you that you're most looking forward to that's not an SEC game? Yeah, I, I don't know necessarily if there is that West Virginia-Penn State game, renewing that rivalry with those two states you know, being border uh, neighbors is is interesting. Um you know, I, I also I, think I also it, forgot to mention Clemson Duke on Monday night. That one could be a game. Yeah, that's that's that true. That's that, that that'll be um interesting because I think you know you, you look at uh Kate Klubnik and and hope that he can maybe take a step forward this year. Um that that'll be one, especially being the only game on, will be one we're watching. Um the sideshow that is Colorado football. You've mentioned uh Deion Sanders. I don't know that I expect a lot from them in terms of of wins. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they play. Uh, the overall team speed it seems to be something pretty attractive that Deion Sanders has, has accumulated a lot of. Um, and TCU, uh, TCU got a remarkable season. Unfortunately, we remember kind of that beat down in the national title game. But I think there's a lot of people that believe they could be a, 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 another contender in the Big 12 this year as well. I've seen a lot of people pick in Texas, which is uh, seems to be a popular selection there. But I think it'll be interesting to see how – uh, how serious a contender that a TCU can do after, uh, uh, after can be after losing as much as they did from last season. Chris, you and I both know that SEC or college football really as a whole, it never goes chalk. So I'll ask you this, and I don't know if you have the slate pulled up in front of you. Most likely SEC team to struggle with a lesser opponent. Do you think there is a situation where this time next Monday, we're talking about an SEC team saying, man, that game was much closer than we expected or, wow, I can't believe this team lost to that team. Like, do you look at the slate and you see one trap game or kind of a pitfall? Because, again, like you and I know, there's going to be some results where we're kind of raising an eyebrow. And like you said, that first week, it's so tough to determine because, as we mentioned, with the transfer portal, recruiting, these teams are so brand new. And you learn a lot about your football team in week one. 
Yeah, I'd be lying if I, I told you I had an eye for, for one particular game. I mean, maybe one that I'm interested in is is uh, Tennessee, how Joe Milton handles, you know, getting that starting job back again and, and playing against an ACC opponent in Virginia. Um, but I, I don't know that there's one otherwise that I see being a particular trap game. Why, you got one, Chris? I don't know that I do. I, I just I just know that even Southern Cal last night, like that game was 21 to 14 at halftime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's week one. I, I could see like an Auburn kind of out of the gate. They don't know what they have. I mean, UMass isn't very good, but I mean, who knows, man? I mean, maybe a, I, I do like the Tennessee-Virginia pick. I think that's going to be really intriguing, just more so for Tennessee, how does it look? I mean, Tennessee's yeah. going to win the football game. They're four touchdown favorites, but how does Joe Milton look? Because it's not really about beating Virginia, right? It's setting yourself up for the rest of the season. And you mentioned that Florida game. I mean, dude, if Tennessee starts out sluggish, not saying they're going to lose to Virginia, but, you know, they lose to Florida, they start 2-1, and one, and Joe Milton hasn't played well. I mean, you know as well as I do, man, the cries for Nico were going to start up there in Knoxville. Yeah. And um, there's not going to be a very long leash, I think, at least from the fans' perspective for him. So, How many, how many openers, too, by the way, Chris, over the last probably 10 years for Tennessee have we seen them play down to the level of competition? Have we seen them struggle? Uh, I, I think the, the personality of this team is different now under Josh Heifel. Um, but I, you know, I, I think there's something to it. If they don't play well um, offensively, that's why it was so important that Joe Milton played so well against Vandy last year. When he came in um, – you know, they, they were much better than what Vanderbilt was, but you saw the explosive plays that were there with Hinton Hooker were also still there uh, with Joe Milton. He was able to hit him. So winning the game is the first goal, but playing well offensively and showing that, you know, hey, hey Joe Milton's the quarterback for a reason. And we'll talk about the Nico stuff another year down the road. But for now, this is Joe's team and he wants to run with it. Uh, I think it's important for him personally and for the offense and the team as a whole. Chris Doring of SCC Network. He will join us each and every single Monday. Chris, appreciate you taking the time. So excited that we're talking about actual games being played. Going to be a lot of fun reacting to the action and breaking it all down each and every single Monday, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. Looking forward to it, man.